Hey guys, this is Coach Keita Bussey with 180 Firearms Training. Today we have Grant Chancellor Madison, Brian Harrington, and Mike Seifert. Welcome to the 180 Firearms Training Podcast. Hey Brian, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Alrighty, my name is Brian Harrington. I've been shooting USPSA since 2015. I started out actually shooting pretty much like a carry optics gun, but that was pre-carry optics, so I switched to limited, and then long story short, now I'm shooting PCC. I've been shooting PCC since 2018, and going to a lot more majors since right around that time. Yeah. Um, Brian's up by my area. Brian, me and Brian shoot together a lot. Brian has beat my ass every time that we shoot. Um, yeah, no, somebody, somebody I look up to. You know, we talk all the time, and I'm always trying to get him, but he always seems to, always seems to get me. I don't understand. You know, it seems like Area Six was just a right to left kind of match, so it's set up perfectly for him. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say necessarily that was a lefty advantage match, but no, I agree. Maybe like there was a few more right to left stage plans that most of the righties were running. And for me, like, I don't know, in that aspect, like me and my buddy Corey were talking about it. Like for me, I mean, how do you feel about it as a lefty? You normally like for you, it's going more comfortable right to left, correct? Um, like, yeah. like how much more of an advantage does it have to be for you to be going left to right in order for you to go that way? Because that's what I found myself doing at Area 6 a lot was like, yeah, I know that it seems like this sets up better right to left, but it's not good enough for me in my head that like I'm going to go that way because it's so awkward shooting across my body. So like. How do you how do you plan that? Do you just run the stage how it should be run? Like if it's got to come across your body, it is what it is. Or like, you know, sometimes that, and then sometimes just it depends on target presentation. Like if it, if it if it flows better for me as a lefty and shooting PCC, it's like the double negative or something like that. It's it's, it's the double win. Awkward. It's awkward. Um, yeah. I, I practice with predominantly righties because everyone's a righty. So I'm used to going the awkward way of going what would be from starting from left and shooting to right. So that to me is something I've done always. Yeah. Okay. So you're your, over, well, you're over it then is what you're saying is like, it doesn't matter if you, if you're going to go right to left or left to right, like whatever the stage dictates, not necessarily what you're comfortable with. So yeah, maybe I got to work on that. Typically. Yeah. Typically. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I try not to let that bother me. I mean, sometimes it does with some stages. I mean, as since we just shot area six recently, there was a couple stages that I had to shoot completely backwards of everybody else. But for the most part, I try not to let that stuff bother me because as long as the target presentation flows better, I'll go with mm -hmm. the, the better of the two options or from yeah, what I have perceive to be, to be better of the two. Yeah. Are you ready? Stand by. If you are finished, unload and show clear. Yeah. What is your preferred technique that you use moving toward your non-dominant side with a rifle? Towards my non-dominant side. So uh, again, I guess it really depends on what the, the target presentation is. If it's like a retreat, I will hold the gun out in front of me, pointing at the back room while retreating in that direction and then swing the gun back up to present to the upcoming target. Um, it's, it's not ideal. I mean, there's no way around that I can, unless I, I mean, shooting PCC makes it harder too, because you got this big, long, awkward gun and trailing that thing behind you. So it's just, it kind of is what it is. I don't, I try not to let dwell on those types of, uh, scenarios. So I'm going to just have to lose a little bit of time to get those shots in and, you know, not break the 180 and, what about moving not laterally? To let that stuff bother me. Well, she's laterally like, laterally, to your like, right, right, right as do you a gun drag hand. it. Do you, do you do a gun drag or are you going to like grab it with your weak, weak hand and run the other way? So, like, because you know, always going the opposite way when you have a PCC is a little weird. So, like, for me, like, I technically, like, I usually do a gun drag. That's, that's I'll try and do a gun drag, but then I, I tend to do a lot of these like side hop things that to yeah. me, I don't know. That's, that's what I really like doing, just like side shuffle, side steps. Yeah. If it's only like two or three steps, yeah. Correct, correct, correct. Big movements, I'll do 
you know, hopefully there's not a, a wall that's close that I could like potentially snag my muzzle on, but I'll, you know, break grip in that scenario and just do a, essentially a gun drag behind me in that scenario. So let's say um, you have to move the distance of two walls, two full-size walls or more, then what are you gonna do? Yeah, I'd probably do a drop the gun, drag behind me and turn my body and turn my hips towards the direction I wanna go and run. I know a lot of the top guys do the gun drag, but I feel like it literally creates drag. Right. You're putting this mass behind you when you could be throwing it out in front of you. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, you know, again, I'd like to insert this video that you we were just talking about the other day, Brian. So <laughs> me and Brian, Brian had sent me one of his stages from Area Six, and I'll send you know I'll send in mine also. Maybe Keita can play it back to back. We're like Brian, you know, we both start behind a table, and your muzzle's got to be on a mark on the table. Brian was much more behind his gun, so when when the beep came, he kind of he he threw his gun straight out in front of him and get the momentum going to the corner. So mm -hmm. whereas I kind of like tried to sidestep the table a little bit, and I had my gun off to the side. So when I started. I didn't have any of the momentum of my gun going that way. It was more or less just like my body. And I was, I felt like I was having to pull the gun with me. And I said, yeah. you know, instantly, I was like, oh, your start was so much better. He's like, well, what are you talking about? And I was like, it was just, you know, the difference of me being a foot and a half, you know, more behind my gun versus off to the side. And like, I could have gotten off to that corner so much quicker. So it's all about them little things. Let's see what these two hooligans are up to here. We've got Brian on top, Mike on the bottom. Just watch it at full speed first. So the discussion was Mike was more behind the table and Brian was able to move his body to the side a little bit to get a little bit of a better start. What I'm seeing is Brian has a much better advantage in getting low and staying low and he can shock absorb with his hips, knees, and ankles where Mike is up really tall doing more of a step drag. So I'll slow this down, light him up like a Christmas tree and show you what that looks like. So. You can see how tall Mike is standing. Now Mike is doing the step drag, which I really like. I'll show that to you here. So let's take a look again at that start. I'll slow it down, back it up. I'll slow it way down. It looks to me like they're actually both taking a fairly direct path toward their first target. The difference I'm seeing is how they're taking off with their legs. Mike does a little jump before going where Brian does a push off, which is much more efficient. And you can see the lines are pretty straight on Mike most of the time on his legs where Brian's are always at an angle. Makes it a little easier to get your hits that way. So that's that. Yeah, um, I'm just saying, I try and keep my gun short. Since that stage specifically we're talking about, you started with the buttstock mounted on your shoulder. So to me, I, I try and not take my gun off my shoulder at almost all costs. And so therefore I could always, it's the same concept of always having your handgun, your handgun up and ready to fire. And, you know, it feels awkward sometimes for sure when you're doing these weird movements with the gun still mounted. But to me, I, I see it as it's the gun's always ready. It's always where I want to be to when I can shoot. So the second I can see the target, I can break that shot. So you well, that's fine if you're continuously shooting. But what if you have a longer yeah. move? Like a very long run. Then it's going to hold you back movement-wise. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. At that point, yeah, I'll drop the gun down either if it's uh, a strong side movement or a weak side movement. Um, usually a weak side movement would be me dragging the gun behind me. Not always, but usually, I guess. And then if I'm going towards my strong side, I'll just pump my gun while running towards that, that area. And that's why I always feel so much more comfortable going from left to right for me as a mm -hmm. righty, because, you know, but your gun is, you can almost shoot as you're running because the gun's like ready to go. And it's not shoulder, but I mean, like to, to me, that's why having to come across the stage the opposite way is just so like, when I look at a stage play, maybe it's just, maybe it's something I gotta change because everybody, a lot of the righties, like I shot with Isaac and a few other PCC shooters and a lot of them went the opposite way. And I was just like, you know, Isaac made it look good a few times, but everybody else that shot it from right to left, it just like looks so awkward. Like, ah, oh, that's weird right there, weird right there. Like I just felt so much better about my plan. And I don't yeah, know. I mean I think a big part of that too is just like the foot movement too. I mean, like 
I've told you before to try and keep the knees bent, stay low. And yeah, then... Mike. <laughs> you like You're always up, up so tall. I get, yeah, because on my knees foot. hurt. So I played too much baseball when I was a kid, and my knees were shot kind of. So for me to get down in that position, I, I guess maybe I got to go to the gym, but that's a lot of work, you know? So, like, I would just... <laughs> You know, like my knees are too weak for me to be down that way and like still be comfortable. Like I feel like it's just a lot of strain. So that's why I'm usually up more upright. I don't know. I got I a lot of like... weird things I do with my game, you know, and apparently it's not good because Brian just beats me every time. So I, you know. Well, I mean, you, you might have the fastest transitions from one position to the next, but I, I try yeah. and. Uh... You take two mics and a, and a delta in, the, in between those two arrays, it doesn't really work. So I, mean, I was about to say it's a very fast mic or two or an issue. But yeah. you know, it looks looks good on the ground. So I got I got one thing. Well, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. I was gonna say the one thing I, I reiterate to Mike, and I tell a lot of people that ask me questions about shooting is just shoot alphas. It's literally that simple. Like people like Mike or myself are top shooters. We're all fast. We can all move fast. We can all move efficiently. The problem is, is obviously just shooting the center of the target. And it, it sounds so stupid, but I swear that's one of the things that I try and maintained throughout basically every single stage is the consistency of shooting alphas and i feel that's honestly how i won area six this past smoked it <laughs> like a couple weeks ago whatever it was you killed it. Though. So, you what kind of percentage are you, I, I, are you looking for alpha wise? Do you have a set percentage, or are you just basically, I'm going to shoot all alphas on every single target? I'm going to try. I mean, I know there's obviously going to be scenarios where you're shooting on the move, and, you know, I'm, I'm really target focused. I can call my shots probably 95% of the time, and maybe even more than that. I'm not really sure what my number would be for that. But regardless, um, if I'm moving and I, I call a bad shot, that's like a Charlie. It, you know, it's, it's that, that kind of is what it is. But if it's something that's like a Delta or even a mic, that's a definitely mic. something where I'm, I'm going to stop and I'm going to make that up. Yep. It's yep. sometimes it hard. Well, I'll put it this way, Grant. He had like 200, what was it, like 210 alphas and like 30 Charlies or something like that or something ridiculous. I, had, I think it was 210 alpha. I think I had... 39 or 8 Charlie. I had one Delta, which was like the easiest target <laughs> that I shot a Delta on. That always and I, had, I had one no shoot and kind of the same thing with that. I had a no shoot on a target that was just like a, a give me target and I was just trying to go fast and uh, pulled off into a no shoot. Yeah, but I, I, I did make it up though because I did call that shot as, as, as a no shoot. Oh. So it wasn't like a, a huge time added. Well, it's interesting it for me because some people argue that like open targets present that their own their own challenge. And I feel like area six was a little bit of a hoser match. Um, it was. So like, what what makes it more difficult for you as a shooter? Because um, some people just say like, you know, that if you if you stick enough open targets out there, it is what it is. But I mean, like, what is it like hardcover, more no shoots, more swingers? Like, what to you is the difference between like a level one match and a level two match? Because we were kind of talking about this on our last podcast with Bill a little bit, and just like what what, what I, I see makes the difference. I see for myself, uh, swingers or something that the more difficult swingers like uh, Florida sectional last year in December, they had some very difficult swingers, kind of like the same thing on stage 12 of area six, where you never really saw the target at rest. It's mm -hmm. always during its, it's at the height power phase of it, of it swinging. So you had to time it properly. And at, at area six, I, I fortunately did that. I kind of had that lefty advantage where I could shoot the activator at the beginning of the stage. And then the last target I was shooting was the swinger. So it slowed down substantially by the time I was, I was shooting at it. So that worked out for me, the, the, the lefty advantage for once, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's more. Lefty there's more righty advantages than lefties because everyone's a righty. So I could see that in a way, but in a way also I'm like, maybe I'm just so used to it doesn't even feel like a lean for me that, and then it's a lean for you. Cause I know how it feels sometimes coming up to a left wall. That's not so bad, but I don't know. I always yeah, feel like I'm screw with lefty leans that are kind of difficult. I've been working on my left shoulder game a little bit trying to get around those, but yeah, I don't know. You always say you're getting screwed too. So we're always, yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, football. even at, at nationals last year, my first stage, I had a target where I couldn't even see the target 
mounted the gun lefty. So I had to shoot, I shot weak shoulder um, and weak eye or yeah, my weak eye to shoot a target presentation. And to say the least, that wasn't a warm and fuzzy feeling for a first stage of national since it was my first national also. And I, I was on a squad of, of, of a lot of big shooters. So it was kind of yeah. intimidating. How'd you, how'd you do, how'd you do at nationals? <laughs> I came in fourth. Fourth. Yeah. So Brian, so <clears throat> was that the first time you took fourth at Nats or what'd you do the year before that? Did you go to Natty? He didn't shoot it. That was his yeah. first I've national. Never been. Never so been in Natty's. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, me and Brian have been talking and before we went to Natty's, I remember at one point saying, like, you know, I'm getting a tired piece. I want to put it down. And then he saw that he was in the super squad. Then I got a text message of the squad. He's like, Well, there's the fire that I needed. So I was I was close to bailing. I was close to bailing. And then uh I mean, some people have asked me how I got on the super squad. And to well, say the least, I just emailed match directors being like, Can I be on the super squad? I've done well at area matches. Right. And eventually the answer was yes. And then like that obviously changed my mind about going to nationals. So nice. I'm, I'm happy with my decision for sure. Yeah, congrats. Something hey, you know, I noticed I in your videos. Yeah. Got Something you. I noticed in your videos I really liked is your shot calling is internal rather than external, meaning you're feeling the way you pulled the trigger, what your sights were doing, what your body was doing versus, you know, listening for a hit on the steel looking for a hole in the target, waiting for a steel to fall. You have an internal process. So there's no lag time between your shot that you felt something wasn't quite right and your makeup shot is immediate. So I thought so that much was so to the dead. point that sometimes I accidentally throw four instead of three. That that definitely has happened a bunch where you know people have asked me why I shot four rounds at a target. I'm like, well I meant three, but four just kind of happens. Well, that goes back to <laughs> shot calling, right? So we were talking about shot calling before. I mean, if you can call your shots, you know when one wasn't there. And it doesn't even it oh, sounds absolutely. like you're throwing a triple on purpose, like one, two, three, but like, you know, one or two was not good. That's why I'm throwing a third shot. So like yeah. if you, you know, for the people out there that are listening, I, that's like one big area that you could do is, is to learn how to call your shots better because like, you know, you're making up, you're making up shots without having to think about it versus, you know, like. Well, he's absolutely. not just throwing extra rounds. He feels something go wrong. Like, Oh, I didn't really like the way I pulled that trigger, so immediately takes another shot. He's not well, just throwing a shot, just throw a shot. Is it that, or are you just not seeing your dot? Which one is it? So, like to me, no, I'm I not, see I my dot. My I, I always see the dot. It's usually just calling a bad shot, and and then the right. other thing too is I'm so target focused. I probably see, like I said, around ninety five percent of the holes in the target. I can physically see them. Now, obviously, if we're getting like past like thirty five yards, we're having that's not that's kind of hard to see. But for the most part, I, I can see my bullets going through targets. Not obviously as we're flying, but yeah, my sight, <laughs> my eyesight is terrible, so I wish I had. <clears throat> yeah, so if you're looking at your spot, you're looking at your spot. The bullet should theoretically go there if you're doing everything else right. What you're sensing from what I saw in the video was when you were getting a drift that something else wasn't lining up quite right. Even if you were looking at your spot, you knew something else was wrong, and it looked to me like trigger pull. Yep. All right, I got a question. Um, so we had kind of asked this to Manny, or yeah, I, I did ask this to Manny, but what was the biggest piece of advice you've ever gotten in this game? Like, and when did you get it? Like, was it when you first started? And mm. like, what's the biggest piece of advice essentially that Man. you kept with you from the start to now? You're going to find out one of the sources of my quotes now that I use all the time. I was actually talking to Mason Lane, and he was telling me, just shoot alphas. Just mm -hmm. shoot it alphas. sounds so stupid, but. For some it's reason, so that simple. clicked to me so it's much. It's so concept. simple, but it's so difficult. And obviously, it's just practicing to always have, have that mindset of just shooting alphas. It's, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I wish I had well, good, better advice than that. But it's yeah, just well, like, I mean, I know it that seems you to work like, for me so much. It'd just be more concerned of, like, again, at least I'm speaking for myself and even you, Mike, we're, we're fast movers or fast shooters. Uh, if you clean up the shot placement, then your your time's already there for for having the raw time. So if you can clean up the shot placement, then that raw time will get you to at least top places at, at, at majors. Yeah, no, I hear you. Well, I mean, that's one going back to, I know you listen to our podcast uh, uh, with the Fraley podcast. And when he practices, what I thought was interesting, he said that uh, Charlie is, is pretty much a miss. And Delta's definitely a miss, but, you know, Absolutely. he should I always call it Delta a 
non-procedural mic. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's valid. I mean, I'll take one over none, but, you know. I mean, I will, too. I mean, like I said, at Area 6, I had <laughs> a Delta and, like, a Targa. I didn't, I didn't call a Delta on it, and yeah, it is what it was. But um, alphas, we, we, you need the alphas. Without being able to shoot alphas at whatever the target presentation is, then, in my opinion, I know you are talking about this with the Manny Bragg, uh, interview too about how you're saying does is it worth the time and um, i try and go for not stage wins i try and go for consistency of mm -hmm. getting 95 percent of the points and doing it as fast as i can right I have a i'm not trying I, I don't look at scores okay guys yeah no we can talk about live scoring a little bit that don't bother me <laughs> i i absolutely want to touch that subject for sure okay oh, technical yeah. question where yeah. do you place the buttstock on your body great question so I, I before doing uspsa and all this when i was younger i did a lot of skeet shooting so uh, i feel like i hold my pcc more so like a shotgun than anything so point being is the top of the buttstock is right under my collarbone and in, in my pocket and i, I pull it back into me and mike just kind of more stands up straight like this where i have my shoulder kind of tucked back and, and tense and everything in my shoulder area is all tensed up and and then you roll your that, shoulder forward over it roll it yep roll it kind of like back and up and then so when i'm mounting my gun i'm also using like this part of my shoulder to mount to get my cheek weld to be where i want for my sight alignment and yeah, i saw that was different in your videos that to me is yeah i mean it's i don't know if that's like the right way it's just the way that's always worked for me so yeah if it works for you great but for those who are still trying to find what works for them, Max Leagrandis put out this great video on buttstock placement. Mike, were you the one who sent that to me? I was. Yeah? Yep. I yeah, so he talks video. about how, and I've tested this, if you put it in sort of the pit of your shoulder, that indentation area, then it the muzzle, it. if you're right-handed, the muzzle goes off to your left. If you're left-handed, the muzzle goes off to your right. And I saw you just now as you were imitating holding your gun, you have your right hand, like the muzzle is off the right, or your, sorry, your. Mm, yeah, right absolutely. Hand. Yep. Yep. I, I can't switch hands. Instead of if I'm straight at the target, I'm, I'd be more holding my gun a exactly. little off to the right. So what not he being found. Straight at the target. What he found and did his video on was taking that buttstock and just moving it a couple inches in. So it's a little bit more into your chest and then rolling your sho shoulder directly forward. As you roll it forward, it locks it into your cheek weld. Yep. Actually, it so might be, I don't know if you want to mess with changing anything if you're really happy with what <laughs> you're doing. My thing is, if you're so bladed, especially not in the on season. Yeah. Well, if you're so bladed while you're in a hard position to try and get out of it, I would imagine there's a lot of force that you need to put into your body to actually get out of that position in that bladed stance. Well, yeah, I mean, it. I'd say no, recoil does. management though. All that is is about recoil management. So, well, it's a nine millimeter like rifle. It's, yeah, I mean, right. it's not it's not a shot. Uh, they bounce around. They bounce around. Yeah, they bounce around, and I mean, Brian shoots an MPX, so his is softer than most. But yeah, I mean, you know, they definitely move a little bit. And you know, when you're in PCC and you're trying to go for the top slot, I mean, it's the difference between you know if my guns bounce on Alpha Charlie or Alpha Delta, and his is Alpha Alpha, because you're really just kind of hammering the trigger twice, hoping that it stays planted, but that technique that Max uses actually just plant your dot a little bit better. And it's amazing how it works. I was at the range the first time with one of my buddies, uh, Craig, who never shoots PCC ever. I just happened to, I needed to go to the range and he's a member at the range that was near my house. So we ended up going, I let him shoot my gun. I was like, hey, I want you to try something because I was telling him just to shoot six as fast as he could. And, you know, they'd be like, one, two, three, they'd be all over the paper, right? But then I was like, okay, now, like I saw this video with Max. I just wanted to see, you know, bring this thing closer into here. And then I want you to kind of like tuck your shoulder and then pull it back into yourself. And like, it, it's amazing how much it steadies your dot where you can, you know, your six shots are now in a much tighter circle. For me, my problem is like, I know that video is there and I try to practice that when I'm at home, but I've been doing it so long now where my gun just naturally kind of comes to like mm -hmm. the outside of my shoulder here that I have a really hard time, you know, like off of a start, like, and I'm trying to go fast to get it into that pocket. Now, like if I have a yeah. little bit of a longer run from like the beep to P1, then like, you know, okay, I can make sure I get it in there. But like, you know, if I'm just have a target right in front of me and I snap it up, like I I'm still, you know, I'm still in my bad habit of being out here when you need to be like over here, you know? So like, it's kind of just a different feeling, but 
Yeah, I think yeah. that was a great video and it's super helpful for recoil control, but. Yeah, physiologically, it just makes more sense. And I mean, obviously it's working for Max. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. tested it on a lot of people after he put that video out and it does work, but it's just like trying to change your grip when you shoot a pistol. It takes a few weeks of dry fire and then you have to apply it to a match and it's not something you want to do during the on season but maybe something to play around with and see what you think during the off season which is a lot sure. easier to do it right the first time you know like, right well, I've <laughs> well never the thing really is there was no research out there when pcc started it was just us trying to like play around on the range and does this work yes does this work no does this work sometimes yeah <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out yeah that's where you need a timer and a little bit of practice you know but yeah so brian what are your uh what are your goals for this year i mean after coming off a fourth place at your first pcc nationals ever i'm sure that little lit a fire on you a little bit like fourth suck you want a third at least now so like yeah. are you hard pcc this year how many majors are you shooting where are you shooting so this year it's, it's pretty much the same as the, the past two years have been honestly we're just shooting um a bunch of majors this um i'm doing area eight delmarva with you with this this coming weekend it is yeah we're on the same spot I'm doing, I'm, awesome yeah looking forward to that one i'm doing a lot of more so driving matches this season i'm doing dragon's cup actually that one's coming up pretty soon too, i'll see so. you there <laughs> i'll see you there yeah, as well. awesome awesome yeah we should get together i, I won't be running on, but i'll be I there think, I think like the last five people we've had on this podcast are all going to Dragon's Cup. And I'm well, just... I heard such great things about it last year, and I bailed well, on it. It's better than last year. Well, me too, and I wanted to go, and then when I looked, it was all full, and now like, oh, you're going, and you know, Manny's going. I mean, everybody's going. It's it's unbelievable. So last year, I had signed up for Dragon's Cup with some friends, and then we actually ended up switching to go to Area Six last year because I wanted to shoot against uh, Justine Williams and Max Legrande. So switch to that. Had a great time. Max ended up shooting Dragon's Cup after too, which that was pretty cool. But I just heard such great things about it from all the people I knew that went to Dragon's mm -hmm. Cup. So might as well it go. And then, I think especially it's the since best they have match like cash prizes for for like stage wins for division pending uh, participants, I felt like that would be something to check out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be good time. Look, I mean, Before one of my favorite matches I shoot every month is a knockdown seal match because if you win your division, you get like, you know, cost 15 bucks to shoot. They'll give you like $45, depending on how many people shot. It's like, you know, yeah. like that's, it's a very nice motivation because like, when you think about it, it paid for my gas, paid for most of my rounds to shoot the match. And like, you know, I got it. I, next month I show up, I get my money. I don't even have to bring money. I just give them money out of my envelope. So it's like, I love <laughs> matches that have cash prizes. I think that's awesome. You know, definitely some motivation. Yeah. So I, I feel like if they had good prizes at matches, they would draw bigger crowds of people basically like Dragon's Cup is. I mean, Area 2 last year had decent prizes too. And I ended up winning a, a Dylan 750 at that match for winning Area 2 PCC last year. Nice. And I have to keep on rubbing this in. I won an Atlas at the Dragon's Cup last year. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So Grant, you're going to Dragon's Cup this year. What do you think? Uh, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm obviously, I mean, do you want to win the match or do you want to win some stages and get some prize money? That's, that's also kind of a, a thing. So if you shoot consistently and stay, you know, 95% of the winner, you don't Brian's win Brian's going to stay consistent. You might win the match. So he wants I'm, the overall. I'm not, I'm not looking I, to win stages. I'm, I might, I might actually, I've given some thought, I might actually just go for a stage win or two. Got to pay for that trip somehow, Grant, you know? Exactly. I don't care if I... <laughs> Have you Either figured way. out how many, hold on, have you figured out how many stage wins you need to pay for your trip? <laughs> uh, pretty much all of them at this point, but <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But if I can get some, some of the money back, that'll, that'll, be, that'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, maybe you'll win a prize, too. Uh, if I win a gun, uh, Mike, you, I'll let you buy it at a decent price. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't bring <laughs> it back with you, so. Well, no, I can't, but at least Mike could get something. Yeah, I got I got my PCCs. I actually just got my pistol. So I literally oh, yeah. got a pistol. Brian, what do you shoot? I what's shoot your, a SIG MPX. Okay. Not for nothing. SIG MPX. He's the only guy I know that can get that thing working without right. Those things so, are great. You keep yeah, them clean and they run just like a charm. 
<laughs> that's what I said. I tell him, Kita, all the time. I tell him, that's exactly what I said the first year I owned one, too. And then, you know, shortly thereafter, it just did not work anymore, no matter what I did. I mean, I, Brian's the still thing the is, the honeymoon phase. Well, this is the thing now, right? Especially now as of recently, too, because I have a practice one, and then I have a match one, and then I have a backup match one. So I have three of them. Mm -hmm. Dude, how, what is your rotation schedule for that? Um, I can't really tell you because I just kind of got acquired this many. So they're all right now I'm breaking in two of them. So it's kind of, and by breaking in there, yeah, I have like maybe like 1500 rounds through them. And they're I don't yeah, really, they're, they're that's new. actually in <laughs> my next new. book, rotation schedules for guns and match guns and backup match guns and practice guns. Mm and putting that on a schedule so that they all wear out sort of together and stay consistent across your guns. Yeah, so I got, I originally was running two for the for the, quite some time where, and I never actually ended up using a backup one ever. So I've never, I've had like one malfunction uh, at a major. You don't need the backup then, one until you need the backup one. Well, I figure <laughs> if, if, if I have it with me, then I, I got it, but. I, Knock on wood, I have not had any issues. And Are you practicing with your backup gun? So I, yes, I actually have been using yeah. that one predominantly just because I wanted to get some round count on it before going to area six. So I, I shot that one exclusively for about like a month and a half prior to area six just to get some round count on it. And check for reliability, any issues that might come yeah. up. So it happens yeah. in practice instead of at the match. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And then my, my match one I use, is, that one's been very consistent and reliable since I've got had that one. I've had that one for, I don't know, a year and a half now or something. I'm not really sure. What does your makeup has, schedule look like? <laughs> on the guns? All right. So I probably, I probably do a full disassembly minus the trigger assembly of it. Every 1,500 rounds, I'll, do, I'll take the, the gas system out. It's predominantly the difference between the MPX and what Mike's shooting is it's a, it's a, a piston gun. So it gets kind of dirty. I mean, yeah, that's probably why so many guys struggle with the MPX. If you're shooting because the, they're not cleaning it properly. Yeah. If you're shooting the, the polymer coated bullets or dirty powder, like tight group, you're going to run into problems after a while with that thing. And yeah. basically you're cleaning it every week. I'm assuming. Essentially. Yeah. 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 Every single week, you're taking. Well, that's okay. Not, well, take, not the gas system. I'll do like I'll do like fifteen hundred rounds between taking the gas system apart, and and I'm just doing that just for my own. Yeah, I've always been under the the <laughs> mentality of of a clean gun is a reliable gun, so I would rather not have problems. So why not eliminate all of them that I can be in control of? And what about the trigger assembly? Well, that who cares. So I've gone through quite I'm a bit curious. of triggers trying to figure out which one was the the one that. The other the part that, that falls into it too is, <laughs> again, the MPX being different than uh, a standard Air 9 blowback gun, but I always recommended the Hyperfire Eclipse, and that's which run 100%, and I have that in all of mine. I like they, they're a great trigger. They're a great trigger. Nice yeah, I mean, and light. Like the factory uh, MPX trigger, it's a really nice trigger, but it was just, in my opinion, too heavy. So I wanted to substitute it out with something that. <laughs> Wait a minute. The Gen 2 or the Gen 3? The Which Gen... one? The MPX? Yeah, the Gen 3 you're talking about? I have about? both. I have, I have Gen 2s well, and the Gen 2s. Gen 2. I had a Gen 2, and that I thought was the worst trigger I've ever felt on a, like, the stock trigger. It was gritty. It was like. But oh. I don't think yours was the competition really? model, though. No, it was not. That's why I'm saying it was a Gen and that's 2. that's exactly so why. So Gen, Gen 3, 2 non-competition. So mine are, mine are all the uh, SIG MPX competition. And so mm -hmm. it has um, a 16-inch barrel with a, like a three-port muzzle brake. I think that's really the only differences between the non-competition and, and a different handguard, actually. But Oh, and the trigger, too, actually. Yeah, the, the, the standard trigger <laughs> that they put on them is kind of junk. Yeah. Yeah, Hyperfire is very good. I like them. Well, I was going to say yeah. before about the cleaning schedule because Grant was like, oh my God, you clean it like once every week and a half. I mean, it's it's definitely more intricate than a pistol. And to me, yeah, like, but you know, for Brian cleaning out the gas system or like, I mean, look, it already takes like an hour if you're really going to do it right. I don't know. Like by the time you break everything out and you clean everything off and then like, you know, you, you know, put it back together, lube it up and put everything away. It's like an hour at least. So 
Yeah, yeah. you just got right. back from the range. You just got back from the range, and now you want me to take an hour of my life. I mean, you know, no, 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 no. It never happens. I can spend an hour with my family. I can spend an hour. No, no. Well, I do. I do. Becoming burglars or something. So, well, like, well, it's like. Well, you clean your gun before oh, the next match. So I'm done after that match. I'm not going to clean it after the match. Yeah. Right away. I put it down and like, I'm going to go do whatever I'm doing. But like, you know, during my match prep of my next match, it's like, all right, yeah. I'm going to put a and clean I'll it. I'll wipe so, it down. Yeah. Well, well I mean, usually look, what I'm doing is I'm just wiping them down, and, too. You know, like, just wipe, take out the bolt and wipe all the bolt down, put some oil on it, on all, like, the, the metal rubby parts and... And that's yeah, it. Now how much how much do you put though? Because like you know, this is one problem that I find with a lot of people that shoot PCC that are new to it is that like they put like literally two drops of oil and they're like, oh, it's good. And it's like for, dude, I literally take my bolt and I coat it in oil and I just like rub it in my hands. Like the whole thing is coated. And the inside I do the entire inside. Like, like it's not hurting anything. I don't understand why I usually go in with a, a needle oiler bottle and yep. put it just where yep. it needs to go. And just like, basically think... anything that's metal rubbing rub metal. So I you think only the fear is interesting i think the fear of adding a lot of oil is attracting dirt and grit and people don't want that in their guns well that's that's why they look at just the rubbing points so i gotta clean it more than once a year you know that's the problem yeah and then the the other thing i do too is i i always bag my gun i don't have one of those baby stroller three gun carts whatever and, and strap it to that i put it in a bag because i don't put a dot cover over my red dots i just put it in the bag after and zip it up and then it's Stays nice and clean. Um, the other thing too, if I over oil too, being a lefty, an ejection port is right in front of my face. Ooh, you get a lot of oil. Yeah, on my face. you get a face full. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, there's definitely a happy medium balance with uh, being uh, t- too much oil on it. So, yeah. you don't have any issues, Mike. No. Too much oil. No, never. It does. I mean, yeah. The first couple rounds. I mean, if you're like shooting next to a table, you could see that you just splatter oil all over the table. But I don't really care. The thing runs. I mean, even with Mike's gun, he has a side charger, so that is a lot more exposure to getting dirt inside of the gun too. If you're in like a dusty environment, like if you're shooting in like a, a desert type area, that you know that could be a, a problem. So in those type of scenarios, you could you know lube less, I guess. Well, I mean, I always think about it like if it's a one day match, I'm going to get through it so exactly you're going to be fine in that one day at the end of the day at the hotel or whatever you take the bolt out you wipe it down you put some new oil on it you call it good unless you're in aruba and they won't let you have your guns yeah i guess that's something i would not know (laughs) you can't have it in puerto rico though so are you coming to that puerto rico match i heard that you were talking about it i think that'd be a lot of fun for next year that would be your first like ipsc uspsa international match you bring the girlfriend, do, it. do the whole thing. Let's like all bring it together and like, uh, you know, have some fun down in Puerto Rico. Be <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mike's going to get it all mapped out. Oh, dude, that was the greatest. And we saw those people, they were at Area 6. Um, and I got to say hi and how everybody was doing and looking forward to February. So, yeah. Yeah. I like IPSC matches. They're fun. They're just a little bit more of a hassle to get to. Ah, Mike likes IPSC matches, right? There. I do, but they don't, we don't you do know, that. IPSC you know? requires accuracy. <laughs> well, what's, it's, it's DDC, isn't it? What's the first one? What's the D? Isn't that speed? <laughs> so, you know, I got that. <laughs> so, what so Mike. Um, yeah, go ahead. We were talking before about how you stand up pretty tall and you said your knees are kind of bad. Yeah. So here's the thing. If you can get down lower, if you're lowering your center of gravity, that gives you a steady base to shoot from, which helps maybe not guarantee alphas, but increase likelihood of hitting alphas. Yeah. Well, I if mean, you can just well, drop your center of gravity down, you're going to be a lot more accurate right so away. Just me, that one thing. You're telling me standing on one foot as tall as I can is not a good thing. Is that what you're saying? Correct. <laughs> Again, very hard habit to break. I've tried to break it. It is. I haven't said that to Mike forever. To Mike, you it. stop shooting like a flamingo then. Right. Well, I mean, I just, I feel like if you just focus on your dot, Mike, the rest will fall into place. Yeah, thanks, guys. No, focus on the target, not the dot. Positive thoughts well, <laughs> this, is, this is baby steps. Anyway, uh, speaking of that, Brian, optic setup. What do you run? What do you zero at? I am running a loophole Delta Point Pro. Uh, I actually just recently put an offset on my match gun because I, I wish I had one at Nationals, but I've never ran one before, but I, I did right before Area 6, I put an offset. So I have two Delta Point Pros on my gun. I have a two and a half MOA dot. 
I zero at 25 yards. So anything within 25 yards, especially since the MPX has a bigger offset than the mm -hmm. traditional AR PCC, it like, I don't know, like five yards. I'm like maybe like two and a two half and a inches half. of, of sight over bore. So everything up close, but within 25 yards, for the most part, I am aiming above the target. Yeah. Well, that's because that gas system that sits on top of the barrel. That's why. Sure. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, as yep. long as you practice it and you know exactly yeah, where your bullet's going to go, it doesn't I mean, matter where. Yeah. Past that 25-yard point, I just, you know, hold center mass and hope for the best, I guess. We just like asking um, people that question so we can make fun of them, mm, but it really doesn't I matter also, as long as you know. Yeah, your no, <laughs> I also shoot uh, 115 grain bullets at like about yes. 140 power factor because my gun, in my opinion, now I could talk to some other MPX shooters like Mike used 147s back when he had the MPX and it's just, I don't know. I don't like it. It felt too sluggish to me. I, I would rather have the, the recoil impulse be fast and quick and it feels like I can get back on target faster with with those bullets. I mean, 115, oh, 124, it's not really much of a difference, but 147 is out of the gun. Mm -hmm. I'm sure like anything I mean, you get used to I think 115 is the best. 115. It was always so soft to me, and I did multiple tests, man. I mean, everybody's 115 bullets that they would make, they just felt so hot to me and snappy. And the 147. I just feel like it's all just. It felt like it was whatever you like. Yeah, it felt like it was lobbing out of the gun. It was nice. I've had this debate with people that loved 147s out of the MPX, and I'm just like, hey, if you like that, then you do you. Yeah, I mean, I'm not Save a little bit of money. Well, I honestly, why I first started doing it, I was like, well, 115s are cheaper, so I might as well shoot those. And, and it works I also better. like how the bullets more get to the target faster. So like a, a long distance, like steel shot, if you're waiting for some audible ding from hitting a steel plate, then 1,200 feet per second is faster shouldn't than be doing. 900. Right. It happens. So no I'm shot. guessing you reload, Ryan? Yes. Yes, I do. I just recently got a, uh, a Dylan 1100. I love that. Ooh. Ooh, what an upgrade. Mm. Nice. Fancy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so at the end of the day, those guns are designed for run with NATO ammo first and foremost, and then we just push them into competitions, so we kind of have to look at that in that vein. But also in IPSC, if your bullet is below 115 grains, you're not in the match. Really? Yeah. If your, your bullet it needs to be between 115 and higher or something, but if it is found to be 114.9 uh, and they do a chronograph and they pull the bullet and Weigh it. That's your match gun. Even if just one of but them is under 115? What if, if you have if the, if the lucky round that you give them to be pulled for them to weigh is below 115, you get DQ'd. So oh, before you load your bullets, you pick out your lucky rounds that you're going to hand to the RO. <laughs> <laughs> that, or you just make sure that the, the company you're using is a little bit um, overzealous. Yeah, but then there's a big the variable of, is there, are they using a, a junky scale compared to your extremely right. high-end scale that you're using? Because, I mean, we all know that they're not pulling out, like, $1,000 scales to weigh projectiles at a, a major match. And even the same thing with, like, the chronographs, like, are they using it's just the, something to be this? aware of if you're running the 115. Well, I just feel okay. like chronographs at major matches are like disposable almost because I mean they got staff <laughs> in that bay. Right. I feel like most something not not most of the time, but sometimes you'll go to a match and you'll hear that they're on their third chrono because they got shot twice already, and it's like oh, oh boy. boy. Well, I like those track yeah. bands where they just stay back. I mean, shoot I, I can't say I've heard of the the bullet weight issue, but I just know I've never. I mean, my whole thing that I always say is is my bullet. Is supersonic, so therefore I must be good for power factor. Yeah. yeah. So if you go shoot an IPSC IPSC match, aware of. So if you go shoot, I think what Grant is saying is, if you go shoot in Puerto Rico, maybe consider bringing your 124 versus 115 if they have chrono. You know, they were in that match. It was a hybrid match, though. So, you know, it wasn't even a true IPSC match. That was like they ran you. Like I was able to take a sight picture. Um, we weren't allowed to run outside the line, so it was like a hybrid between IPSC and USPSA, and there were some things that were cherry-picked and some things that weren't, um, but it was still, I mean, it, it felt like an IPSC match, more or less, it, other than I was able to take a sight picture, so, yeah, it was it was a little different. So, this is a question I want to ask the, the PCC guys on Optics, because, obviously, we might see the PCC ball shoot in the U.S., and it might become its own division. How long until you guys think we're going to see matches where it might actually be useful to have an LPVO on your PCC. It's only get out to 100 yards. I've, I've rang steel at 100 yards with my red dot, no problem. 
And I mean, I can't see them. What are they, they going to do? Make us have a 200 yard PCC target? That doesn't really, I don't know. It doesn't really fit what PCC is about to me. I mean, yeah, can you shoot 200 yards? I'm sure you could, but like, that's not, you know, I'll take a rifle. I got so. I feel like the, the, the challenges for stuff like that is nothing around my area. I've never been to a match where we have long distance anything. So, like, people that are from, Arizona type area or whatever, like Max's matches that he's running where he has 200 yards steel. Like I probably wouldn't want to go to that because I have zero experience doing that. And I have nowhere I can even practice that. Right. Right. And then the other thing is like, you know, when you, when all these pistol guys talk about a PCC offshoot of USPSA or IPSC, whatever, and make it its own thing to me, that's, I don't like, I don't feel like there's enough involvement that it would, you know, survive on its own. I mean, that's why we got it. It would effectively ruin PCC and and then right, and which is the third most popular division. Would, I don't know, and I just feel like everybody hates on PCC, like because you got to add a paragraph for the written stage briefings, and like, yeah, we got to, you know, you got to put an extra mark on the wall for where my muscle goes. Like, special time. Like, like, I don't I feel understand. Like at the end of the day, so hate, you know, I don't get to hate. People are getting but, upset about how there's PCC shooters at winning either high overall or really high up in the overall category, but that's not actually a real category. So you're shooting against people within your division. So what does it matter? Like I'm here to have a good time shooting my division. Why can't we all just shoot our own divisions and compete against people within our division and all get along? Honestly, I think there is. Sorry, it's just going to like the ESL scoring thing. They're actually moving away from practice call where you don't get an overall anymore. You only get that would be great. Involved. That would that would end that. Right. I agree with that. I really do think there's a lot of give and take between pistol and PCC though, because there are so many challenges with the PCC to maneuver through a stage. I mean, yeah, you can hit a farther target easier, but I really do think it balances out quite a lot. Anything that's really a tight is- stage is gonna be problematic for a PCC for the most right. part. Well, and then especially like uh, well, Mike would say, I have the, the lefty advantage of the hard leans, but then anything <laughs> that's a, a normal lean to a righty on the, on the right side of a stage is going to be extremely hard for me being a lefty and PCC shooter adds another layer to that equation. Well, we yeah. actually found that switching to your non-dominant shoulder makes it faster to push back out of that position. Absolutely. I just you found don't that really as well? practice that. Yeah, I mean, but I don't, I don't practice that enough because I can't say I've seen it enough to, but, you know, like anything, it's something to have in, in the arsenal of uh, tools, stuff that you can do for being successful uh, on a stage with whatever the target presentation is. Yeah. Okay, I have uh, another well, gear question for you. Well, I was going to say right. before, I think all the hate for PCC comes from these these like 45, 55 year old guys. Sorry if this is one of our listeners that buy a $10,000 infinity and they're winning all their locals until one of these hoodlum PCC shooters shows up. Hoodlum. Beats them. And to me, I always just go back to, if you look at every area match result or, you know, where PCC and open are both shooting the same match. I mean, PCC is not even ever close. And Max is, you know, I think me and Brian would agree by far the best PCC shooter in the country. And until Max starts winning overall at these matches where, you know, there's like the top end open shooters, I, I, I don't understand all the hate, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like I get that. I can take my, my $2,000 PCC and I can beat your $10,000 infinity and I might bother you, but. Yeah, but what does that mean though? Gear, gear price, it's almost irrelevant. I mean, Mason won nationals shooting a 320, so limited yeah. nationals. Yeah, but the same, there are the same guys that complain about their $10,000 uh, infinity being beaten by PCC is also being beaten by guys with Glocks as well, so. But they just like to say that it's a rifle at a pistol match. That's why I just don't. <laughs> that's where it's like unwarranted hate, you know. And then I'm like, you know, well, like I always tell you the revolver story. Like we're all sitting here and watch a revolver for 45 seconds and take him. You know, he'll take 12 reloads and nobody will say a word and we'll all pace his targets. But like you're gonna complain that I'm here. I don't even got to reload once. <laughs> I've done it about you know a fifth of the time. And like I'm quiet. I just you don't even have to pace all your photographers sometimes. One of the things I feel doesn't correlate over though is someone who's a GM or whatever classification in pcc i don't feel so say i'm, I'm a gm in pcc i don't mm-hmm. feel that necessarily makes me a master shooter in other right. divisions in that's my why opinion. i sold that's... all my pistols i agree i think that's unfair <laughs> well I because think that's the unfair. classifiers don't require a lot of there are a couple classifiers now with a little bit of movement but it's not 
the kind of movement that's going to inhibit a PCC shooter to the point where it evens the playing field on classifiers. Well, it doesn't matter. What we're talking about is like, if I wanted to go shoot a match right now, a major match, and I wanted to shoot a limited gun, I'd be a master. And like, I'm not, I'm not a master at all. Like, that's not fair to me. Like what I get, I get the GM classification with pistols. Like, yeah, if you're, if you're a GM and open, you're now uh, M at least and limited if you've never shot it before. I mean, it's, that's all relative, but you know, and it's a lot easier for somebody to, to put down a pistol and pick up a PCC and be semi-proficient. So I could see where that almost makes sense where an open shooter that's a GM now picks up a PCC. He might be a master if he understands how to move around the course. I mean, he'll get used to doing the rifle, but for me who primarily shoots a rifle, or the pistol caliber carbine to say that I'm now a master pistol shooter. It's completely different. I haven't shot a pistol in years. And the last few times I did shoot a pistol, it was like as a joke at an IDPA match, I was shooting a revolver. Like I'm terrible at a revolver. So like, I don't practice at all. So it's, it's a little disconcerting for me. Like I'd love to go shoot some majors with a pistol, but like, I'm not, I mean, I'm there to win something and I'm not going to, you know, there's no way I'm winning first place master. That's for sure. Because I'm not even close. So I wish they would change that a little bit because it is definitely a little different. So I don't know. Yeah, but then how much do you want to separate it? How much do you want to incorporate it is the next question, you know? Well, I'm just talking about so, strictly for, you know, different classifications where like, you know, if I wanted to pick up a limited gun and go shoot a major, I'd be a master. That's not fair to me because I'm, I'm not even... Well, it, it seems like the rules need to be changed. Like you make a classification in the division you're shooting and the rest are left unclassified. Yeah, I wonder, you know, I, that's interesting now that you say that. And I'm, I know that's always been this way, but I've never really thought about why they did that. Like, Brian, do you have any idea as to why, like... I mean, I would say predominantly when that rule was made, it was probably based on gun handling skills, because if you can shoot master class open or whatever, most likely you're going to be pretty similar with, like, carry optics, we'll call it, because you're still used to that dot sight picture. You're going to have that same pistol indexing skills, the reloading skills. Maybe, yeah, you're not using the same exact platform, but your raw skills are going to come through in that aspect, like give you or I any other PCC and we're going to be shooting it pretty similar to our PCC in a very short period of time. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the reason is to prevent sandbagging. Yeah, of course. So you don't and there's, switch there's a lot divisions. Of people who are, and... You know, like the, the, the sandbag, you know, the, even like paper GMs that just, they somehow were able to pull off a GM classification and PCC, which I will say is I don't think it's the easiest thing in the world, to be honest. I tried doing it in 2020 to make GM, and I, I couldn't do it. I kept busting out because I was pushing hard to on, on classifier stages. And then early 2021, I was just shooting a match, and then I made GM. Well, what's your take, what's your take on classifier matches? To me, that's where paper GMs are born, is when you go to a match. <laughs> I mean, it can be. Match. It can be. And I just, If I people want to classify actually... up and they practice classifiers, I mean, fine, but... I don't, I don't know. know. I, I, I don't have that much desire to chase that. I mean, even now I keep saying I wish I wasn't a GM. So it wasn't so much pressure from competing at that, that level. I mean, it's probably mostly self-induced, but it's, it's definitely a thing. Well, there's not, and then I have people like Mike that just like, That's you know, praise me. And then I'm just like, Oh man, <laughs> I gotta, <laughs> I'll, I'll admit I was very intimidated coming into area six because of lack of practice over this winter. And I felt people of the area six being from North Carolina and more South have the advantage of not having snow. They can shoot all winter long. It is snowing at my house right now. <laughs> it snowed it here April? yesterday. Oh, 18th. And we've been having blizzards for the last few days. <laughs> no, I've been I had a little snow flurry here yesterday. I've been doing the grass for like three weeks. Whatever you guys. I'm enjoying the no snow, but I'm getting really tired of the cold. You know, like I'm, I'm finding as I get older and older, with my rainoids and my my it's an autoimmune disease. My hands don't work in the cold, so like every time I go out and it's even a little bit cold anymore, like it just my whole body feels stiff and like I I feel like I'm you know 90 in a 31 year old body. I got to move to Florida or something where it's warm all the time. Well, but you know, Dave so said he has that autoimmune disease as well, and he's coming back and he's going to start competing again. Good. Which one does he have? Good. He has an auto autoimmune disease that affects his joints and his bones. No, yeah, well, I have one that affects my blood flow or my blood circulation in my hands and my feet. And so, like when it's cold out, my hands are really, really cold. They're colder yeah. than what you, everybody else is feeling. So, yeah, so are you making sure that you're wearing gloves? Well, that there's no cure for it. Well, autoimmune disease, right? There's no cure for it. Right. So the only you thing can is have injections, gloves, but. 
but I can't wear gloves and shoot. I mean, it's such a feel thing. Like, you know, pulling yeah, the you trigger. Can wear gloves and oh, you shoot. Yeah. At just, area six, were you using hand warmers? I was not. So, and I was, so I wore shorts all on Saturday and I was super unprepared. Uh, well, you know, I was, it was relatively warm here every once in a while. And I'm like, well, we're going way down South. Like, you know, it's going to be 70 degrees. I went to that match anticipating it being kind of cold, looking at like the weather projected of that weekend. And then I brought hand warmers and people thought I was crazy for bringing hand warmers out. They're like, Oh, it's not that cold. I'm like, I agree. It's not that cold, but anything to keep my trigger finger warm. I can tell you. When I saw you uh, at Area 6, when you had just finished, I was walking around in shorts. I felt just fine. But the next two days, it was like 10 degrees colder. The next It was day, a lot cooler in the morning. So I actually ended up switching out of pants and like a, a thermal insulated long sleeve into the afternoon. So you can actually see if you watch my match video where I changed from shorts to pants because of exactly that. But then like it would be nice out and then a cloud would roll through and it felt like it would drop like 10, 15 degrees. And I'd be like, I kind of regret my decision of switching, but. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel so much better when it gets a little warmer out and sweating, you know? So, I'm, you know, I feel like there's a lot of matches this year that are early. Like we got two this weekend. I got a PSA shootout and then me and Brian are shooting together at Delmarva. And then the following weekend is South Carolina sectional, which I'm hoping that, you know, it's even farther South than North Carolina. So hopefully it's a little bit warmer than area six was because I'm getting tired of shooting in the cold. You know, I really am. Just feel like we'll get used to it because nationals, it'll be like 40 right? degrees too. Yeah. Which I'm Let's excited. talk about nationals. So Peter. I you know it. that we were going to PCC Nationals in October in Colorado. I love it. I'm like, it's what? Beautiful out. Like, I know. Is, are they doing like the X Games in Colorado then? Like, like Winter X Games? Like, I'll tell you this much. Like- that facility is absolutely beautiful. I shot Bighorn Classic there last year uh, with the Williams sisters. They were they were really nice, but um, it was a uh, a very beautiful facility. So I am extremely happy that they're having nationals there. I mean, maybe the timing isn't exactly perfect for. Well, that's all I'm talking about. For, for, for you, you, you Southerners, I guess, if you want to call it. Um, I'll be there in two <laughs> weeks. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. It'll yeah. be my first time. I'm excited to see the facility. It's very nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. I just, you know, I'm going to be really disappointed, you know, especially being me that I, I you know, shooting in the cold is not my friend. If we go to nationals in October and it's like, it's going to be 35 degrees, like that's going to be a rough one. I don't think it'll be that cold. It'll be like probably how it was in North Carolina where it'll be like, 45 to 50. Yeah. Definitely going to prepare for all <laughs> scenarios. Wait, what yeah, is that? 45 to 50 with no sun, 20 mile an hour winds. Yeah, it was beautiful. Beautiful. Sitting there freezing. But I was they have hot springs. Body. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, we're going to be. <clears throat> bring your hand warmers. Bring, yeah, bring extra hand warmers, Brian. Bring you know, some mittens and a scarf. And... Yeah, I'll, I'll bring some from mine. <laughs> mittens and a scarf. Oh, boy. Well, we're running yeah. out of time here, but I do want to ask you that gear question. Okay. Just open-ended. Tell me your take on magazines, the big stick versus the little stick. And what do you do? How do you set that up? All right. So I... I... I only use one mag, obviously being PCC, you don't have to reload for that. So um, it's just uh, since the MPX takes proprietary magazines, it is a 30 run magazine with a plus 11 base pad that is a turn tactical base pad. And then on my hip, I have a 30 30 run magazine that's modified to hold 33, I think. And then on my front mag pouch at majors, I I carry two spares. And on the front one, I have like, I think it's like 25 or 26, it holds unfortunately never had to resort to going to any of them ever but that's what i carry i carry one in the pocket which is my start mag that has 41 in it i got 33 on my right hip since i'm a lefty that would be what i reload with would be my right hand and then a 26 round magazine on the front just i I don't even know why i have that one there i just do it sounds uncomfortable that's a lot do you ever for classifiers or things like that that require a reload and you don't need a whole lot of rounds do you ever use a short stick for that no i prefer reloading with the full-length magazines with the uh what you 11 base pad because i what i do is i practice so i have it um i'll grab right above the base pad and that <laughs> gives me like the perfect point of being able to right. put the magazine in the gun without hitting my hand into my mag well Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen other Done people that. do with the, 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 the shorter magazines and that's just it's just something I've never practiced so I, I just I use I use big sticks so if it's a, a reload classifier stage I'll actually start with a short magazine my 20 something round magazine so it and then drops reload into easily the, the full if there's size. a table in the way yeah, I that's exactly it 
Yep. That's exactly it. So like, uh, what was it? Like, I think I have it on my Instagram where it's a mini Mart actually. And so I, I, since the magazine's so long, you could sometimes hit it on the table on that one, or even going through ports too. Same thing. Like got to be uh, aware of the, the length of the magazine. That's actually kind of messed me up at um, mid Atlantic section last year, where I was trying to get the whole gun through a port on this last portion. Mike, if you probably you remember that stage where you're lying down. And so I tried to get the whole magazine out, but I, I, I didn't. And then it was really awkward for that whole last array for me. <laughs> hey Brian, how'd you, how'd you finish at the mid-Atlantic sectional last year? <laughs> I think uh, I won PCC. Oh, you I won think. PCC, yeah. So, yeah. Pretty all, sure. of Brian, all, of Brian's little, all of Brian's little complaints, you know, he still wins. All I wasn't complaining. So, you know. It was just uh, an observation. One day, one, well, one day, one day, I'm hoping to be Mike's goal for you. from what he tells me all the time is to beat me, and that's it. Maybe I, 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 mean, I think quit. I might have played into it a little bit this coming uh, match, where I, I was saying how I felt really rusty and all this, which I, realistically I did. Like my my match execution wasn't. Oh, it's all mental. I know. Well, I'm just saying, like, you think I you think that you're not ready to go for Area 6? Like, you're full of shit. Like, I know that you're lying. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think, honestly, almost tough. everybody feels that way after oh, this absolutely. whole, like, 2020, 2021, and the ammo shortage, and the quarantines, and all that stuff. People aren't getting out and shooting as much, and everybody feels like they've took a, taken a couple steps back. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. So, even if you feel that way, everyone else feels that way, too. Mm. You know, I can tell you, you know, steps back or steps forward, whatever. Brian shot an awesome match at Area 6. So no matter – I don't know actually how much practice he's had. I'm sure he has more than he likes to lead on, but he uh, he shot a hell of a match at Area 6. And I'll was, tell you exactly what my practice regimen was. I shot probably about five to six days a week for two weeks prior to the match. So probably about 1,000 rounds a week two weeks prior to the match. And then the, – so I, I, I really started training hard three weeks prior to the match. And then I just stepped it up a little bit more – two weeks out and one week out where I was doing about a thousand rounds a week. So Maybe a little bit more. I, I don't really know. I just load a bunch of ammo and put it in a box and then I shoot until yeah. I'm out of bullets. But I also don't really have like a, a super regimented practice either. It's, it's mostly just, I see it as gun handling skills where I'll just shoot at steel plates at, at a range and, you know, like a C-zone Ipsic target type thing and steel plates and just try and do different arrays of, of shooting, maybe some shooting on the move but not, nothing crazy. So you don't actually have like a legitimate written down training regime when you hit the range? Nope, I don't. But I'm gonna guess I two don't. weeks out from a major, you were probably practicing a match mode, not letting the wheels fall off. Instead, you're going for alphas and close Charlies. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I always have seen just like uh, club matches around the area as practice for majors. Like mm -hmm. I'm not trying to, burn it down and have this you know high overall win of the match like i i could care less about that I, like i've told mike before too i i don't compare myself to other shooters like i don't look at people i don't crunch data mid-match i don't care what anyone else is doing at, at nationals i specifically told people not to tell me how i'm doing because i i don't want to have that mental psych out of oh if i push a little bit harder i might win i just want to shoot my game against myself I will guarantee you, if you keep on doing this, I know it was your first nationals, but if you keep on doing it, you will eventually get to the point where you need to look at scores to be competitive. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that at all. I was actually talking to John Bleager at A6 because he was on my squad and he was basically saying the same exact thing. And I'm sure that is very valid. Yep. Once you're ready. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I understand your first national is it's kind of like, let me just shoot my match how I shoot my match. <laughs> Get out well, of my I head. Mean, the thing is, is I, I knew the first few days I came out very well. I knew I had a solid first two days. And then the third day was the more, uh, which I wish it was Shannon section, like section three or whatever it was called. Yeah. And yeah. that was a lot more challenging. That was definitely where kind of the wheels a little bit fell off for, for me. But again, those were a very different type of challenging stage. Yeah, I'm actually, now that you said his name, I think we're looking forward to having him on our podcast at some point coming up here soon. So I can't yeah, wait to pick his brain. Can't wait to pick his brain as to what he's doing, you know, uh, about it's, you know, stage design and all this because his stages are always famous. And it's like, you know, there was three zones there and there was one of them with Shannon's. And I don't think 
you needed to be much of an expert to tell me which one was Shannon's because it was, you know, yeah. the most technical, complicated. Very thing challenging. Yeah. Very challenging. There's, yeah. there, there were fun stages, but very challenging. And then after seeing other people shoot them, I kind of sometimes wish I had shot things a little differently, but it is Shannon's what it is. very good at options. Yeah, yeah. The ammo can with a PCC, that was, that was difficult. Yeah, that hole, that hole too, you know? Not only did we have to carry that damn thing down there, but they cut the hole about an inch bigger than the the, the box. So, like, you couldn't just, like, throw it. You had to, like, put yeah. it perfectly yeah. in the hole. It was like, there was yeah. a lot of strategy He's to smart. that. that uh, yeah. People yeah. changed their game plans on, on, on my squad watching other people shoot that stage. and It was frustrating to have seen other people shoot it after you and be like, wow, they crushed it. I wish I had did that like that. Well, like, what do you, how do you feel about like seeing a righty shooter versus a lefty shooter? Is that something that like, like, you know, you can, you watch a righty shooter crush it and be like, oh, I'm going to do it the same way. Or like, because like for me, when I, like, I know one of the guys on my team is a lefty and like, he usually just does the complete opposite of whatever I'm thinking. So like, I can't even like communicate with him about stages. Like, how does it go for you? Cause I mean, there's not, very I mean, many again, I'll, I'll assess what the, uh, target presentation is. If it flows well for me, then I can shoot a, a stage essentially what would be considered backwards to you, but it really depends on, on the flow of it. If it's not mm -hmm. flowing well where I have to put my body in awkward positions, I'm not going to go down that avenue because I, I'm, I don't want to shoot in uncomfortable positions like how I've told you before, shooting on one foot. That's, in my opinion, that's, well, it, it, that's comfortable. It and advantage. you just proved me right, the, though. The, you proved me right because you said that that presents, though. The inconsistency that that presents is something that I am not going to explore unless it's like, that one-off stage where it's a very short time, high hit factor, low point well, stage. Where do you see me do that though? I mean, like I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it in the middle of like a transition across a big stage. It's usually in the corners where I can't really usually see in the, the corners, way. but in, in those stages, you could, you could have been on two feet and shot that target. No problem. But for some yeah, reason you decided to be on one foot and then you put like three or four towards a piece of steel specifically oh. stage. I think, two or three from a six where you were shooting on one foot and you did not need to be. And you took like three shots to hit that, that popper. It was the last target of that. Stage, so. Yeah. that was and stage You could have shot that and had both your feet planted and had some nice bend in the knees and maybe a little bit of bent over in the waist and just take a nice all sight picture and plop. You got to insert, you got to insert the happy Gilmore. It's all in the hips right here. All in the hips. Well, if you come <laughs> take my class in July in New Jersey, Mike, yeah, we'll, get, we'll work on that, and I think you could drop two to three seconds per field course, easy. Ryan, you should come out too. No, I'm throwing you under the bus. All right, <laughs> drive down. It's only a couple hours. Let's go. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the Pocono Mountains. You know, we can stay in the house. It'll be very nice. There's right? a mansion so, on the range. Yeah. Like, so, that is the location worth traveling to if you're going to take a class on the road. Yep. So I'll be there really Keenan, for sure. Though I know we had talked about that a little bit, but I'm definitely coming. To Grant, you're going to be there. Yeah. Line, be no, I'm in. I'm in New Hampshire. But I am going to be at Pocono somehow because apparently they have a hot tub, which is amazing, and I need to go there. Yeah. Good. Yeah, he'll be working. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Brian. Thanks Brian. for having me. I really appreciate it. That yeah. hour flies by, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely does. Yeah. Well, hey, man. Thanks for coming on. It was awesome talking to you. Yeah, thank you, Brian. That was Thanks awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, guys. Look forward to right. meeting you. Cheerio. Yeah. Cheerio. <laughs>